Welcome to the Brooklyn Tabernacle's Daily Devotions. Now, here is the Senior Pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle, Jim Simbola. So nice to see you today. Thank you for tuning in to the Brooklyn Tabernacle Reading Through Scripture, Daily Devotional, 2 Peter, and we're closing out chapter 3, which is the last chapter. Do you know your books of the Bible? It's good to know where they are. I never could memorize them very well. You know, some Bibles have the little indentations, little markers, so you can find those books like Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Zechariah. We Most of us know where Genesis is and John, but... The other is a little hard. People who don't know the books of the Bible, I once was in a service as a teenager, and the pastor had a sense of humor, and he went, and I want everybody here. How many are happy to be in God's house? Amen. It's one of those rote churches where, you know, the, they yell back and they speak, and everyone was enthusiastic. So I want everybody to turn to the second chapter of Hezekiah. Turn to there. Okay, we're going to look into God's word. How many have it in about... <laughs> 15 people raised their hand. Yeah, I got it. And he said, what are you doing? There is no book of Hezekiah. See, we can just get in a rote. I tell you, every time you open this book, you have to pray, oh, Lord, speak to me from your word. Otherwise, you get into the habit of just, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that. I know that verse. I know that. I know that. And we don't know it. There's always some new depth God wants to show us. So let's treat this as what it is, God's sacred word. We're in chapter 3 of Second Peter, and now Peter, after telling him that the day of the Lord will come like a thief, the heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare or burned up. Since, verse 11, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. As you look forward to the day of God and speed, it's coming. Since everything will, it's a logic to this. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. Oh, we could, we could spend like a week on that one, right? Here's the holy logic of it. This is not forever, and it's all going to end. Whether when you die, you can't take a thing with you, Naked you came into the world. What are you taking out with you? Nothing. Except what's done for Christ, what was given for Christ. Those are eternally stored up for us. But naked you came in, naked you have to leave. So all the things we worry about and fret, when you die, you take nothing with you. You know the old joke about a wealthy man. Hey, how much does he leave? Everything. And whether you're middle income, low income, or a billionaire, you ain't taking a dime or your house or your car, not even your cell phone. Don't try to stick that little thing in there. No, it ain't going. So Peter's using logic here, divine logic. Since everything's going to be destroyed and nothing will matter and you can't take a thing with you and then you're going to have to face God and give an answer to God for the deeds done in the body. He's saying, you know, don't. what kind of life should you live? Should you get caught up in the culture that's going to be destroyed? Should you be accumulating and stressing and being occupied by worry about physical things when they're all going to go or you have to leave them? Or when the day of the Lord comes, they'll all be burnt up. That car, 
It's gone. This church building that I'm in, the Brooklyn Tabernacle building, gone in a millisecond. Poof, gone. So don't live for buildings. Don't live for apartments. Don't live for sofas. Your IRA, your retirement portfolio, when the day of the Lord comes, the only retirement fund you need is to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. And now Peter says, what, how should we live? A holy God is going to send his holy son back to earth, and there will be a judgment of sin. The wages of sin is death. What kind of life should you live? Should you be dabbling in sin? Should you be devoted to the things of this world? Number one, you're in the world, but you're not of the world, the Bible says, for a Christian. I know. I know what some of you are thinking. Pastor Jim, you be tripping. What do you live in another world? What are you, like a fanatic? Everyone lives that way. They go to church on Sunday, but, you know, I this minister, he just got his 43rd pair of vintage Jordans. People just live to look hip and cool, and their wardrobe is, is number one. Everyone does that. What are you, a fanatic? I'm just reading the Bible. You know, I only work here. And the book says this, you ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God. Here it's called the day of God. Holy, that word means separated, pure, unlike the contamination around you. Godly, that means devoted. Numero uno is Cristo. Number one is Jesus. Every day is walking with him, his values. Our goals are set by him, wanting to do his will, not our will. You know what? It almost sounds like another religion to a lot you hear today. Follow your destiny. Your dream is out there. Why are you driving that Toyota when you could be in a Rolls Royce? I'm just giving you the pure word of God. Do with it what you want. You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God. God has a day. How about that? Right now, it seems like it's man's day and the people, the politicians and the media and Hollywood, and it's their day and they're mocking at God. And then God, being patient, doesn't want anyone to lose their soul. He waits patiently. That's what is waiting as we read that. He just waits, giving people time to repent, to turn to God. But then when the day of God comes, guess what? Oh no, that day is coming. It's not like my dad, when he put us to bed, my mom and dad, they used to put us to bed. I was in a railroad apartment. My brother and I shared a pull-out bed. We slept on separate mattresses. And across the room, like four, five feet away, was my sister. I was in a tiny railroad apartment in Brooklyn. And we would be making noise and all of that. And my dad would say, hey, hey, calm down, or I'm going to come in there. And we would then, I'd be messing. Usually it was me just fooling around, laughing, making noise, not letting anyone sleep. I told you I'm coming in there. And then we knew there was a moment when it was no more warnings. He came in, pow, pow. Didn't I tell you? One time that happened, my father was warning. And then he said, that's it, about the third or fourth warning. I'm coming in. And many times he came in with a strap. And it wasn't to hold up his pants. It was for something else. I quickly said to my older brother and my sister, listen, when he says, who was talking? We all say, it was me. I was the one. Okay, that way he's not going to beat all of us. My, he favored my sister. He would never spank her. It's my like, creative mind. He came in. All right, who's doing this trouble? And I went, I, I, it's me. 
And my brother said nothing. And my sister said nothing. But we had agreed. We all take one for the team. So my father said, oh, I figured that. It's you again. Ah, oh, whack, whack. I cried. I went to bed. This is why I'm still in counseling. I'm still in therapy. Yeah, my brother and my sister threw me under the bus. But there was that moment when it was over. He came in. Sorry for the homely example, but I want you to know, I hope you're a born-again Christian. Not go to church, not try to live a better life. Have you been born again? You have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Is he numero uno, number one in your life? Oh, turn to him today if it's not so, and you can be saved in a, in a second by repenting of your sins and turning and saying, I don't want to live that way. I want to follow you, Jesus. Forgive me. I put my trust in you. Be my Lord and Savior. Amen. See you tomorrow. Amen.